Good afternoon, brothers and sisters. It is a great blessing that we may be here again a second time this afternoon to worship our triune God. A hearty welcome to all who are present here and those who have joined us via the live stream. May the preaching of the gospel direct our hearts and minds in faith and trust to Jesus Christ and cause us to live our lives for the praise of him. <coughs> Consistory has the following announcements. The Consistory with the deacons will meet at 7.30pm tomorrow, the Lord willing. This afternoon's worship service will be led by Reverend Poppy. Before we commence the worship service, let's sing together from hymn 81, the verses 1, 2 and 3. Let's worship the Lord. As God's people, we confess that our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's now sing a song of praise to our God. Let's sing together from Psalm 95, verses 1 and 3.
Let's now make a profession of our Catholic and undoubted Christian faith, and let's do so this afternoon with the words of the Apostles' Creed as set to music in hymn two. Father in heaven, we come again before you this afternoon, Lord. We do so with so much thanks. Thank you for being our God. And thank you that we can be your children. And thank you for the spiritual blessings that you give us in Christ, that you sent your Son into this world in order to take our curse upon himself, in order to restore us to yourself. 
Thank you, Lord, for the gift of faith by which we may believe in the Lord Jesus. Thank you also that you give us hope for the future, that you give us joy in our hearts, that you give us peace between us and you. You're a very kind God, and our hearts are filled with gratitude to you for the gifts of your grace. Thank you that you bring us together here this afternoon, Lord, and that it's your intention to bless us. You want to pour out your love on us. You want to remind us how rich we are in Christ. And we pray, Lord, that we may have open hearts, that we hear the message of the gospel, that we understand how rich we are, and that we respond with love and gratitude to you. Father, we thank you that you give us this opportunity to also express our thanks, that we can sing songs, that we can offer prayers, that we can give thank offerings. We can also make a confession of our faith in you. Lord, we pray that you would be pleased by the worship that we offer you. We ask now for the gift of your Holy Spirit. It's our prayer, Father, that you open our minds and our hearts to the message of the gospel. Help us to appreciate what you've done for us in Christ and, and grant that we may appropriate that and that we may live out of it. Lord, it's quite a, a powerful thing that you do in us. And it's, it's your work. It's not something we can do ourselves. And so we, we wish to honor you and to thank you for that. Please do all these things, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, brothers and sisters, this afternoon I may reflect with you on the gifts that God has given us in Christ and the way that we respond to that. We respond with, with gratitude and thanks for the gifts of God's grace. There's two places in the scriptures I'd like to read with you in which God's people are filled with, with thanks for the gifts of God's grace. First is in Psalm 100, and then it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So I invite you to open your Bible with me, and we're going to read together from Psalm 100. You can find it on page 592 of your guest Bible. Psalm 100. It's a psalm for giving thanks. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. Then we're going to turn in our reading to the book of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, chapter 9. Page 1150. 2 Corinthians, chapter 9. We'll start reading in verse 6 and we'll read through to the end of the chapter. Two Corinthians nine verse six. There, God's word says, "This is the Apostle Paul. He's reflecting on the um, the gift that the Corinthians are giving to the believers in Jerusalem." And then he continues. He says, "The point is this: whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver." 
And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he is distributed freely. He is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way, to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So far. Let's sing a song of thanks. Let's sing together, thanking the Lord and praising the Lord, Psalm 118, verses 1, 4, and 5.
This afternoon, I may preach the good news of what Christ has done and also how we respond to, to the work of Christ with a life of gratitude and thanksgiving. I'm going to look at what the scripture teaches us as it's also summarized for us in Lord's Day 32 of the Heidelberg Catechism. If you want to follow along, you can find that on page 584 of your book of praise. Now, the Catechism is divided into three parts. The, uh, the first part is our sin and misery, Lord's Day 2 to 4. The second part is how we're delivered, and that really covers the, the Apostles' Creed. It talks about the, the, the salvation that God offers as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and also talks about the sacraments. And then here in Lord's Day 32, we move on to the third part, and that is our thankfulness. After God saves us as his grace, then we're thankful to him. Since we've been delivered from our misery by grace alone through Christ, without any merit of our own, why must we yet do good works? Because Christ, having redeemed us by his blood, also renews us by his Holy Spirit to be his image, so that with our whole life we may assure ourselves thankful to God for his benefits, and he may be praised by us. Further, that we ourselves may be assured of our faith by its fruits, and that by our godly walk of life we may win our neighbors for Christ. Can those be saved who do not turn to God from their ungrateful and impenitent walk of life? By no means, scripture says that no unchaste person, idolater, adulterer, thief, greedy person, drunkard, slanderer, robber, or the like, shall inherit the kingdom of God. Then after the proclamation of God's word, we're going to sing together from Psalm 100, the verses 1 through 4. Dear brothers and sisters, congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, every once in a while you meet a person who is just thriving. They're full of life, they're full of energy, full of zest. You know, it's interesting, when you look at their lives and when you, when you see what's going on in their lives, then often one of the things that you'll see in them is that they're people who are grateful. They often recognize the blessings that they receive through other people. They often acknowledge the contributions that other people make to them. And many times, at the root of that, underneath of that all, is a really profound sense of gratitude to God for the riches of his kindness and his grace. Well, if you're doing that, if you're really grateful, then on a pretty foundational level, it shows that you know God that you know the gospel. If you're someone who, who is filled with thanks to God, then that always comes out of a life where you appreciate who God is and what he's done. And that's the message of Lord's Day 32. The core question of Lord's Day 32 is, what would motivate you to do good works? And the answer is understanding the richness of God's grace. If you know who God is, and if you understand what God's done for you, then naturally that's going to lead to a life of gratitude and a life of praise. Well, if you're reflecting on what God has done for you in Christ, brothers and sisters, then it's really heartwarming. And if you think about all the blessings, all the other day-to-day, real-life things that God does for you, then that's something that really changed your life. God loves you, and he cares deeply about you. He doesn't want you to pay it back 
It doesn't say you owe me, you have to give something to me. The only thing he says is he says, I want you to thank me. And that's what we're going to look at this afternoon here. I preach God's word to you, to you under this theme, God redeems and renews us for a life of thanksgiving. We're going to look in the first place as the basis for our thanks, and secondly, at the expression of our thanks. So first, the basis. One song that teaches us how to live a rich, grateful life is Psalm 100. It is a psalm, it says above it, it's a psalm for giving thanks. In the first two verses, it says there, starts off in verse 1, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. And so, come to him, make a joyful noise to him, serve him. And verse 3 tells the reason, Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. The psalmist is really thankful to God. The core reason for that is because he knows the Lord. Know that he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. He's someone who reflects on the fact that God created him. And he often thinks about what God does for him as a shepherd, the way that God shepherds him through life, the way that God looks after him and provides for him. He's thinking Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. Well, real life, it's really good to reflect on that, brothers and sisters. Day to day, it's good to think about what God does as your creator and what God does as, as your shepherd. And if you think about that, then you realize how rich you are and what a blessed life you have. I was just thinking about it this past week. As, you know, real life, what does it really look like? It's the gift of family and the gift of a church community. It's the gift of food and drink. It's the gift of shelter and clothing, of sunshine and rain. It's the gift of work and money. Sometimes we read about the news, we read what's going on in Ukraine, or we read what's happening in Gaza. You think about that, and it's, it's the gift of peace, and security, and safety. It's the gift of water and sanitation, of roads and bridges, of gas and electricity, of phone and internet. It's the gift of police and healthcare, of primary and secondary schools, of eucalypt and healthcare. Sorry, eucalypt and fair haven. There are so many things that God gives, gives us day after day. He just really loves us, and he wants to go well for us. We have so many reasons for thanksgiving. And then in verse 5, the psalmist takes it one step further. He says in verse 5 there, For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. The psalmist reflects here on the steadfast love, and the faithfulness, and the goodness of the Lord. Underneath all these material things, there are the more foundational spiritual things. In the last 32 Lord's Days, 31 Lord's Days, we've been reflecting on how we're sinners and how we've been saved by grace. As an act of his love, the Lord saves you from sin. He rescues you out of darkness. He gives you every spiritual blessing in Christ. He gives you peace with God. He gives you salvation. He gives you faith in Christ. He gives you a glorious future. He gives you his spirit who changes you and makes you into a new person. Well, these are the expressions 
of his steadfast love and his faithfulness. He's promised those things to you. As an, act, as an act of love, as an act of faithfulness, he now grants those things to you. The Apostle Paul in Colossians 1 verse 13, he summarizes it there. He says, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. You've been reconciled to God and you have peace with him. If you think about that, brothers and sisters, and the Lord wants you to be filled with thanks for the riches of his grace. He wants you to give expression to your thanks. And you know, if you don't do that, if you receive all these good things, and if you, you know, day after day, the Lord takes care of you, and on a really foundational level, he gives you the spiritual blessings in Christ, and if you never call that to mind, and if you never reflect on that, it's something that's really sinful in his presence. He actually talks about that. He says it's a sin. This is one of the things that arouses his anger and his wrath. It's the passage in Romans 1. A couple of weeks ago, we reflected on Romans 1. And it's really striking there in verse 21. It talks about the source of God's anger. It says the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven. And then verse 21, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. They knew him as God. People know God. They see all his good gifts. They see his glory. They see his majesty in creation. They know about the good things he gives, and they don't care at all. They don't give thanks to him. Well, that makes the Lord upset. I care about you, and I love you, and I give you all these good things, and I do it for you day after day after day after day. You don't pay any attention to that? You don't even appreciate it? The Lord says, that's one thing that does make me upset that arouses my wrath. And so really what God's saying, if you reflect on that, he's saying there's a reason for beautiful sunsets. There's a reason for gorgeous forests and for stunning beaches. God gives it to you to thank him and to praise him. You know, if you think about it, you could say there's a purpose in a ribeye steak, in sourdough bread, and avocados in a meat lover's pizza. The telos is thanks. God made those things so that you would thank him, that you would praise him. That's the reason they were created. That's the reason he gave them to you. That's actually what Timothy says. He says it outright. He says it explicitly. One Timothy, or sorry, Paul says to Timothy, one Timothy four verse three, he first warns Timothy that there's gonna, gonna be some people who leave the faith and follow the teaching of demons. And he says they forbid marriage and they require abstinence from foods that God has created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving. God created food to be received with thanksgiving. So enjoy a meal, have a piece of cheesecake, have a cup of coffee, and say, thank you, Lord, for the good things that you give. In fact, when you read through the Bible, the ultimate reason why God gives us all these blessings is for thanks and praise. That's his, that's his motive. That's why he does it. We read together a minute ago from 2 Corinthians 9, 
It's in verse 7 that the Lord calls us there to make up our own mind about how much money we're going to give away. And he says the reason he wants us to make us our own mind is so that we're not forced, that we're not under compulsion, nobody else pressures us to do certain things, but that it's, it's an act of the free will. And then in 2 Corinthians 9, the Lord tells us the reason for that is because he loves a cheerful giver. And then he promises that if you cheerfully give, then he's going to bless that. And it's really quite stunning. Maybe if you want to open with me, go back to this passage. We'll just read a couple of verses together there. It's in 2 Corinthians 9. It starts at verse 6 there. Two Corinthians chapter nine, page eleven hundred and fifty. So in verse seven, there each one must give as he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And then in verse eight, it continues, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. And then continue verse ten. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. What God's saying here is he's saying that if you're generous in giving, you're not going to suffer for that. If you willingly and happily give away to other people, it's not as if your life is going to be diminished because of that. Now God says here that he will bless you in every way. He is able to make all grace abound, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. God will bless you in every way, so that at all times, in every way, you will continue to be a blessing to many other people. You know, probably the, the best example of that is love. Sometimes you love another person. You might think, well, I, I can't love him too much because if I love too much here, then I don't have enough love for the other people in my life. But it's really interesting. If you really love somebody, it's not as if your love is depleted. It's not as if you run out of love, that your love tank runs empty. If you have a lot of love for your person, then what the Lord does is he expands your heart so that you have more love, not just for that person, but for other people as well. And you love those people as well. And the Lord expands your heart even more so that you have more love for many other people. And you're able to love many people well. Well, that's the message here that God gives. When you give generously, when you, when you do it from a cheerful heart, if you love the people around you, then it's not as if you're going to be diminished because of that, but you're going to receive so much more from the Lord to be able to do good for so many more people. And then the reason for that, verse 11 God says, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the, for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgiving to God. It is when you generously give to others that leads to thanks to God. And when that happens, the Lord says, well, that's the purpose. That's why I made you. I made you. And I bless you so that you can live a life of thanks and of praise before me. And so when you do good to others, then the Lord blesses you more richly so that you continue to do good, that it leads to ever-increasing thanks and praise and glory to God. 
Your service will not only supply the needs of God's people, it will lead to many thanksgivings to God. Verse 13, it says that this is the way that God deliberately set it up. This is what he wants for you. What's really interesting, brothers and sisters, it's not only true of, of giving, I use the example of love here, but it's also true of people. In 2 Corinthians 4, the Apostle Paul says that he and those with him endure much suffering, yet they're not overwhelmed by it. They're under pressure, they face persecution, they face attacks, but they're not overwhelmed by that because Jesus Christ is living in them. Christ powerfully fills them, and so they're able to endure that suffering, and they joyfully continue to preach the message of the gospel. And then Paul continues in, in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 15. He says, For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. God brings his people out of the darkness into the light in order that it may increase thanksgiving leading to glory to God. It is his joy to do good things for people so that they respond and everybody else responds around them with thanksgiving to God for the riches of his grace. Well, as a congregation, we know a little bit about that, brothers and sisters. A couple of weeks ago, we had three members, three new members who joined our church. And earlier this year, we had a few more. Last year, we had a few more. And the year before that, we had a few more. And talk about a joyful experience. The Lord rescues people out of darkness, and he brings people into his marvelous light. And when, that, when God does that, it's just such an incredible gift. It leads to so much joy, to so much thanksgiving, to so much praise. It's really life-changing. God rescues us. It's through the eyes of these people we get to see what God has done for us again. We get to see how we're dead in sin and how we're made alive in Christ and how the Lord loves us and how he blesses us so richly in our lives. Well, God's intention is that when we see that, that we reflect on it, that we give him thanks and praise for the riches of his grace towards us. So let's say it happens to you, brothers and sisters. The Lord blesses you. Maybe it's something material, or maybe it's something spiritual. You're just really grateful to him. Let's say he's given you a new car or you finally had that heart-to-heart -heart with your son that you really wanted to have for a period of time, and you, you just haven't been able to get there, and finally last week the Lord gave it to you. Or maybe you worked through some stuff with, this, with your spouse, and you're at a place where there's a new sense of closeness and intimacy together. Or let's say you have freedom from some sin that used to weigh you down. Your heart is filled with thanks. So how do you express it? Usually the most common way we do that is through prayer. We go to the Lord, we tell the Lord how great we, grateful we are for the gifts of his grace, for his kindness towards us. You know, that's really beautiful. A little later in this section on thankfulness, we're gonna talk about how prayer is the most important part of our thankfulness before God. It's when we pray that, that the Lord really loves that. He's really praised by that and he's honored through that. But then it's also interesting how often God's people don't do that quietly, but they do it publicly. They publicly give expression to their praise and to their thanks. Psalm 100, 
is a very public expression of thanksgiving to God and praise to God for the goodness and for his goodness and his grace. And it's really interesting, the psalmist calls you to be vocal about it. If you're thankful to God, don't keep that to yourself. He says in verse 1, he says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness and come into his presence with singing. And again in verse 4, he says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Make a joyful noise. Well, if I think about a joyful noise, then I think about the big game. It's a cricket game. The other team went up to bat. They did really well. Your team is up to bat, and they're, they're, they're working it. And it's really tough. They have a huge mountain to climb. And slowly they get there, they hit some balls, and they get a few sixes, and they get a few fours, but there's a long ways to go. And you're coming into the final overs of the game, and there's just a really long ways to go. And then you start cranking it out of the park. And you get a six, and you get another one. And you get a four, and you get another one. And slowly what happens is everyone's sitting on the edge of their seats. And every time there's a big hit, then everybody jumps up. And near the end, it's really, it's a nail-biter, and it's in the last few balls, last few pitches, last few, what is it, pitches? Last few, no, it's not pitches, overs. It's in the last few overs that you hit it out of the park. And you hit it out of the park, and there is a joyful noise. And literally, the crowd erupts, and everyone's out of their seat, and it's just the best thing that ever happened. And people are rejoicing, and they're jumping around, and they're hugging each other. And it's a very, very special moment. Well, just imagine, brothers and sisters, that's a dumb game. But just imagine. We have front row seats in the kingdom of heaven. And we get to see what God does in the history of salvation. We get to experience his grace and his blessing in our lives. You have your son whose life is caught in sin and the Lord rescues him. And it changes your heart. And you yourself are in a place where you've been so much looking forward to having a child and the Lord, he gives you a child. And it changes your life. You're in a place where there's so much conflict in your family that sin has so much power and you have a breakthrough and you're able to deal with each other in humility and there is so much joy. And the Lord says, make a joyful noise. He says, come into his presence with gladness and singing. He says, come to him and love him and express that to him and let everyone know about what he's done for you and join with the rest of his people in thanking and praising and honoring him for who he is and for what he does. In real life, that's what happens in the kingdom of heaven. We have examples of that. We have biblical examples. We have Exodus 15. The Israelites, they come out of Egypt. God rescues them. He brings them to the Red Sea, and Pharaoh and his army come behind them, and they're just in so much distress. They're going to wipe us out. The superpower of the world is behind us. They're going to wipe us out. We're not going to be able to get away, and they cry out to God in their distress. And the Lord opens a path for them through the middle of the sea. And they walk to the other side. And when Pharaoh comes in, when his chariots and horses and army come after him, then the Lord closes the sea over them and they all die. But it's the greatest relief that you ever have. Not only is your enemy done, but you never have to worry about him again. 
And what do they do? Exodus 15, verse 1. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. And just so you get the flavor, it's in verse 20 and 21. We're told there, Then Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out with her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. They're having a celebration. And they're singing and dancing. And they're praising God because of the richness of his grace and his kindness to them. Well, that's what God's saying, Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. You read the same thing after the victory of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's 2 Corinthians 2. Paul talks about how he is led by the Spirit to go to Macedonia and to preach the gospel there. Then in verse 15, he says, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of his knowledge of him everywhere. Thanks be to God, who leads us in triumphal procession. You may remember that's the word of a king who comes back to his city in victory. King Nebuchadnezzar, he did it all over the place. He went all over the world and he beat his enemies. Well, the city of Nineveh, he had this this central gate into the city. It was 13 meters high. He had this roadway built into the city of Nineveh. It was 20 meters wide. It was built from cobblestones of, of stones from around the world. It was a kilometer long. He would come in, his generals would be with him, his army would be behind him, the streets would be lined with people, and they would have this triumphal procession. They would be singing and cheering and praising the king for the victories that he had. And everybody would be over the, over the moon with joy and gladness about the gift of, about the victory that had been secured once again. Well now, this is the picture of Jesus Christ. Christ goes in triumphal procession into heaven. And there's the greatest party ever at the time of his ascension. The angels are singing, and the Lord is praising his son, and the saints who have gone before him, they are praising Jesus Christ for who he is and for what he's done. And now Paul says, he says, we go around in triumphal procession, we preach the gospel, and people come out of darkness and they come into the light. And there's gladness, and there's joy, and there's singing, There's this beautiful occasion of of thankfulness to God and singing and praise to God when he rescues people out of darkness and when he brings them into the the kingdom of his son. Well, that's the Lord's intentions for us, brothers and sisters. He saves us because he loves us. Now he says, I want you to be thankful and I want you to express that. So do it privately in your prayers but do it publicly. Tell other people about what God has done for you and celebrate together the riches of his grace and the gifts of his kindness and come into his presence and make a joyful song. And then in Psalm 100, the psalmist continues. He says, there's one other thing you should do. Verse two, he says, serve the Lord with gladness. If you're grateful to God for the gifts of his grace, then that also comes out 
in a life of service. Gratitude on the inside leads to busy hands on the outside. You're not lazy, but you express your thanks by a, by a life of willing service. And it's really beautiful the way, the way it says it there in the psalm, serve the Lord with gladness. You have this joy in your heart about the gifts of God's grace. And that's what motivates you, that's what leads you to a life of service. Well, you see it around us, brothers and sisters. Some people, they're so thankful for the gifts of grace. And they respond to that. They, they find opportunities to show God how much they love him. And when something comes up, it's not like, oh, I'm too busy, and I can't, and I can't, and I can't, and I won't. But it's like, I love the Lord, and I'd love to. And I'll do what I can. It's not that you have to do everything, but you do serve the Lord with gladness. It shows you understand his grace and that you love him. What a kindness of God, brothers and sisters. He shows us his grace. And then he gives us opportunity to, to reflect on that and to thank him for that. And if you're living that way, if you're truly grateful to God for the gifts of his grace, if you show that in a life of gratitude, a life of service, then there's two other things that come out of that. Our confession says that in the first place, that your own heart, you will be assured of God's grace towards you. If you're living in gratitude and thanks to God, then, then deep down, in a really visceral way, you'll be assured that you are God's child, that he is your father, and that he loves you and that you love him. And the second thing is that the people around you will also be attracted to light. When you're busy living a joyful, grateful life, if you're making a, a joyful noise to the Lord, then that's a very visible thing. And all the people around you, they see the gratitude exuding from you. And they're attracted to that. They say, I, I want some of that. I want what you have in your life. I want to be the kind of person who you are. They want to come to know, to know the Lord and to walk closely with him. That's not to say that it's always easy, brothers and sisters. There are difficult times. We have hard things in life. The reality is that the much of life, we have to contend with the brokenness. We're worn out, we have broken relationships, we face the loss of loved ones, we have serious disappointments. Well, even in the middle of that, the Lord calls you to thanksgiving. Philippians 4, you have that beautiful passage. Now, Paul says, don't be anxious. You have difficult things that happen, but he says, don't be anxious. But he goes on and he says, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He doesn't just say, don't be, don't be anxious. He doesn't just say, pray to God. But in between there, he says, pray with thanksgiving. He says, in the midst of the difficulties, don't lose sight of the blessings. Don't forget about the good things that God has done. And the next verse is, he builds on that. In verses 8 and 9, he, he helps us to focus our attention on the good things. Verse 8 and 9, he says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. When life's difficult, we tend to focus on the hard things. 
and then we lose our perspective of thanksgiving. And the Lord says, think about the beautiful things. Don't lose sight of all the lovely and the excellent things. And that helps you to have a heart that's filled with thanksgiving. Well, brothers and sisters, it's not something you do by yourself. You don't have the, the ability and strength to do it on your own. It's the work of God in you. It says, you look to Christ in faith, and the Spirit of Christ lives in you. And he gives you that perspective. He reminds you of how rich you are in Christ. And he enables you to live the life of gratitude before, before God. He helps you to see the blessings, even in the midst of the difficulties. And he enables you to sing and to make a joyful noise, to pray and to tell others about the good things that God is doing for you. And so look to Christ in faith. Thank him for his gifts and ask him for the help of his spirit to express that to God. Amen. Let's sing this song, brothers and sisters. We're going to sing from Psalm 100, the verses 1 to 4. Father in heaven, 
We come before you, Lord, because we want to thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you are our God and that we can be your people. Thank you that you've included us in a covenant relationship, that you've made promises to us and that you love us. Thank you that, that you told us our identity. Our core identity, Lord, is, is found in you, that we belong to Jesus Christ and that you're going to look after us both now and forever. And thank you, Lord, that you do such a good job of that, that you know us, you care about us, and that day after day you look after us, you provide for us. Thank you for all the physical provisions you give us, Lord, for food and drink, for shelter and clothing. Thank you for family members and friends, for those with whom we get to share our lives. Thank you that we can be a part of a church community, that you put us in communion with other people who know you and love you, healthy people who have joy in their hearts, who have faith in Christ, who have vibrant lives. What a richness, what a gift of your grace. Thank you also that you give us so many blessings in our society. We have the rule of law. We have police officers who uphold that law. We have judges and, and lawyers who help us to maintain the laws. Thank you, Lord, for, for healthcare professionals. We have doctors and nurses who, who look after us. Thank you also, Lord, for, for, the, for the bridges and the roads, for the phones and the internet. Thank you for the education that our children can receive. Thank you that we can cooperate together in a school. Thank you also for the, for the higher education institutes of learning that we have. Thank you, to, Lord, also for, for all the other blessings and gifts that you give us. We're so grateful that, that you look after us, and that day after day you provide for us. Lord, we don't deserve any of it, but we receive all of it as gifts out of your, your fatherly hand. Thank you for your love, and we honor you for your grace in Christ. Dear Father in heaven, we also thank you for the spiritual blessings that we receive, that we have peace, that we have hope in our hearts, that we can look forward to a glorious future. Thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you, Lord, for giving us contentment. Thank you that you work a willing spirit within us, that we have love, and that we have unity with one another. Thank you, Lord, for binding us in relationship to yourself, that we love you, and that we, we look to you for help and we trust in you. Thank you for being our God and for allowing us to, to walk in this, this unique relationship together with you. Father, we, we are truly grateful for everything that you do for us, and we wish to express that to you. Pray, Lord, that you also help us to talk about these things. When you give us beautiful things, then give us the wisdom to share these things with others, that we reflect with our family members and friends, and that we, we tell the other people around us, that we acknowledge your gifts, that we give you praise and glory, and that we honor you for the things you've done for us. Help us to, to also sing together, Give us hearts, Lord, where we love to sing. Singing is one of the great ways in which we can praise and thank you for the gifts of your grace. Give us good songs to sing. Thank you for giving us 150 psalms. These are the songs that your people throughout the ages have sung. They're beautiful expressions of praise to you and thanks to you for the riches of your grace. Thank you also, Lord, that you, that you allow us and you teach us to sing new songs. Thank you for the hymns that we can sing. And we pray, Lord, that also through these, that your name receives glory that we're able to, to thank and praise you for, for your gifts towards us. Lord, please grant that we love to sing them, that we use them and that we use other songs to praise you and to glorify you. But we also wish to pray to you, Lord, that you please bless us, that we're able to be a help and a blessing for others. Some people, they, they have a hard time seeing the good things in life. Sometimes we've had a lot of pain in our lives, we've had a lot of difficulty. And then it feels really difficult for us to, to hear the calling to give thanks.
please grant, Lord, that we're able to walk a journey with each other, that we can assist one another to live by faith and to live in gratitude. Lord, please help us to this end, that we focus on whatever is true, whatever is righteous, whatever is excellent and praiseworthy. Grant that we're able to keep our eyes focused on you and on the good blessings that you give, and that in this way that we can maintain a, a posture of gratitude within our hearts. Lord, we pray that, that through us, that your name may receive much praise and glory. That is the way that you intend it. And when we live the way that you intend, then, then it's a beautiful thing for you and for us. Father, we pray that you would please also bless the collection that we now have. We're able to, to express our thanks to you in a collection. The collection this afternoon is for the churches in Indonesia. They need help in, in supporting some of the poor people and, and also sharing the gospel. So we're grateful that we're able to help them, Lord. We pray that through this collection as well, that, that your church may be built up and that your people can be helped. And most of all, Lord, we pray that it may lead to thanksgiving, that when people receive the assistance, that they can be truly grateful to you for the gifts of your grace. Father, we, we thank you that, that you set it up in such a beautiful way, that when we give and when we love others and when we serve others, it doesn't lead to a diminished life, but it leads to a rich and a full life. And we pray, Lord, that, that you help us to continue to see that, to live out of that. Dear Father in heaven, we also wish to ask you that you take care of us in this coming week. That's the education of the children. Thankful that, that the year 11 and 12 students are, are done. We, we ask for a blessing over their summer, Lord. Please also be with their teachers as they wrap things up. Be with the, the younger students so that they can have the last final weeks of school, that it may go well for them, and that they too can rest into your blessing. I also wish to ask, Father, that you bless us in our families. Grant, Lord, that we can have close unity and harmony together as families, that you help us to be a blessing for one another. Thank you, Lord, for, for the, the coming week as well, for the work we get to do. Grant that we can do our jobs joyfully and gratefully before you, that we can use this as an opportunity to express our gratitude to you. Lord, we pray that you would accept our thanks now, that you hear our prayer, and that you do all these things for the sake of Jesus Christ our Savior, your Son. Amen. So, brothers and sisters, you do have the opportunity to give your thank offerings to the Lord, and the collection now is for the Indonesian churches. And at the end, after that, we're going to end off with a, a hymn of thanksgiving, hymn 85, the verses 1 to 3.
receive now the blessing of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. <clears throat>